Tales of the Sea carry with them a special mystique, none more so than the ghost ship SS Orong Maidon. A crew responding to its SOS found the ship not deserted, but much worse. Everyone on board was not only dead, they were horribly dead. Today, we're going to uncover the truth about this grisly tale. That's up next on Skeptoid. Are you ready to take your Skeptoid experience to the next level? Head on over to Skeptoid.com slash GoPremium to become a proud member and unlock a world of exclusive benefits. Picture this, ad-free listening and extended versions of every new episode, diving deep into the mysteries and real truth without interruption. Take this opportunity to elevate your journey and join the Skeptoid community today. Skeptoid.com slash GoPremium. You're listening to Skeptoid. I'm Brian Dunning from Skeptoid.com. The Death Ship, Orong Maidan. It's another of those classic mystery ships from nautical lore. Sometime around 1940, somewhere in the Western Pacific, the cargo ship Orong Maidan sent out a distress call via Morse code. The first ship to arrive was greeted with a grisly scene. The Orong Maidan was apparently undamaged but also uncrewed, until the rescuers went aboard and found everyone dead. And not just dead, gruesomely dead. All uninjured, yet splayed out flat on their backs, their eyes and mouths wide open in silent screams of horror, many still at their posts. The rescuers made preparations to take the Orong Maidan in tow, but before they could, a fire broke out below decks and they evacuated, just in time to see the vessel explode and sink beneath the waves. And ever since, people have wondered what could have been the explanation for what happened to the crew and to the ship. And some have even wondered whether the story is even true at all. Today, we'll have a look at the evidence. When you set out to read what's available online about the Orong Maidan, one of the first things you'll find out is that it's probably no more than just a fictional story concocted by someone. There's even a strong piece of evidence favoring this. Nobody has ever found any record of a ship by that name. The name, by the way, is in Indonesian. Orang means man, and Maidan is the name of the capital city of the North Sumatra province. So it translates roughly to man from Maidan. The original sources of the story, however, are from relatively prestigious and reliable sources, such as the Associated Press and the United States Coast Guard. So I start to wonder whether this is just another urban legend to debunk, or whether it's a case of over-eager debunkers who have got it wrong. Both happen, and the answer lies not in guesswork, but in research. For a long time, all that was known about this story came from a serialized publication in the Dutch-language Indonesian newspaper De Lokomotif in February and March 1948. According to De Locomotif, the tragedy took place in June 1947, southeast of the Marshall Islands. The U.S. flagged ships City of Baltimore and Silver Star received the following message in Morse code. SOS from Orang Maidan. We float. 
All officers, including the captain, dead in chart room and on the bridge. Probably whole of crew dead. There was a bit of nonsense keying for a few minutes, and then a final intelligible message. I die. The Silver Star was the first to arrive on the scene, and they boarded it and found the crew dead, as previously described. The newspaper's final installation stated that they had no more information, but the story's source, a Mr. Silvio Sherley of Trieste, Italy, quote, assured them of its authenticity. If you're wondering how a headline-making shipwreck in the Western Pacific would make it into Indonesian newspapers only through a tip from some guy halfway around the world in Italy, Shirley explained. He learned about the story from a missionary who had just come to Italy from one of the Marshall Islands called Taungi, where he'd been stationed. There he cared for an officer of the Orang Maidan who died a few days after making it to shore in a lifeboat. Thus, the story got from the Marshall Islands to Trieste, and thence to Indonesia. A few years later, the story was given perhaps its most compelling stamp of legitimacy when it was reported in English in the Proceedings of the Merchant Marine Council, a publication of the United States Coast Guard, in 1952. It was a single paragraph in an editorial about various famous seafaring mysteries, and it gave the same version of events we've already discussed, but with two changes. It said the event happened in February 1948, and it gave the location as the Straits of Malacca. But both discrepancy are likely just careless errors. The article was one of fanciful storytelling and not hard facts. The author may have simply grabbed February 1948 from the date of De Locomotif's publication, and he could have gotten the Straits of Malacca from the location of Maidan. A few German authors also researched extensively and published about the tale, but without really uncovering anything new. It was a mystery. Nobody knows what happened. And there was one glaring problem with the story. There is no record of any ship ever being named the Orang Maidan. This is not just conjecture. It's not possible for any commercial vessel, built or registered, to escape notice by all the world's shipping registries. There was another problem, too. The ship that was probably the Silver Star had actually been named the Silver Star Park, launched in 1943, but renamed the Santa Cecilia in 1945, upon which it was relocated to Brazil. There had been no Silver Star in the Pacific in 1947. And this is where the story remained for decades. An urban legend, lots of independent research, and these two pretty serious problems. But then, the era of searchable text on the internet dawned. Old publications began to be digitized, and it became possible for researchers to skim through the papers of the 20th century like never before. With every popular legend come throngs of enthusiastic researchers, hungry for more information. And they found it. At least two important discoveries were made that gave us the answer to the question of the authenticity of the Orang Maidan. Head on over to Skeptoid.com store and explore the Skeptoid store where curiosity meets cool. We have books, socks, shirts, hoodies, and more. Check out our slick new Bigfoot design, 
where the mystery of this legendary cryptid never looked so good. And while you're here, don't forget to grab a Skeptoid USB drive, your portal to all episodes and all our movies, now including the UFO movie They Don't Want You to See. That's not all we have planned. We have a lineup of way more cool stuff coming soon. So head on over, skeptoid.com slash store, and snag your swag. The first of these was posted by a semi-anonymous blogger named Alex to Bermuda Triangle Central in 2013. What he found was a 1941 issue of a Vichy French tabloid called Séjour, or Seven Days, containing an article called After 20 Months, the Mystery of the Orang Maidan is Solved. What's that? A 1941 report of an incident that didn't happen until 1947? It was worthy of a close study. In the Séjour version, the Orang Maidan was found in November 1939 by an American destroyer, not by the Silver Star, which makes sense as the Silver Star Park had not yet been launched. This version had a whole backstory with the Orang Maidan as a penal transport vessel with an enslaved crew, and the lone survivor in the lifeboat landed in Fiji, not in the Marshall Islands. But otherwise, the basics of the story are the same. The other post-digitization discovery came in 2015 from Estelle Hargraves, an amateur British historian and bookworm, which is high praise. Simply by searching pre-war UK newspapers, she found articles in at least two papers from November 1940, the earliest printed references to the story yet found. These are the Associated Press syndicated reports we mentioned earlier. This earliest version of the story is essentially the same, but with the following changes. It happened southeast of the Solomon Islands. The rescuing ship was not named at all, only given as a British merchant ship. The text of the SOS message was completely different. And originally, there was no lone survivor making it ashore in a lifeboat at all. Instead, all that was known of the story was reported by an unnamed officer of the unnamed British merchant vessel. And now we come to the moment of truth. The dateline in those 1940 Associated Press articles gave the city of the story's origin as, wait for it, Trieste, Italy, the hometown of Silvio Shirley, the same Silvio Shirley who, eight years later, would tell an updated version of the story to Indonesia's De Locomotif. Hargraves also found that our friend Shirley published an article about the Orang Maidan himself in 1959, almost 20 years later, for the Trieste Export Trade magazine. Apparently, Shirley was quite enthusiastic about the Orang Maidan tale, almost paternal, some might say. In 1940, Silvio Shirley told a tale to the Associated Press, which got itself a little ink. But then, World War II consumed the world, and his story was thoroughly forgotten. Eight years later, the war fading into memory, Shirley told an enhanced version to De Locomotif and, quote, assured them of the authenticity of this 1947 event. 
Hargraves wrote, In the end, my theory is that Silvio didn't get quite the notoriety he sought the first time around, the news buried by the events of the ongoing World War. Perhaps he sat on it until the war ended, world news quieted down, and tried again. But maybe there's more still to be found in how this story got off the ground. Either way, don't believe everything you read in the papers. And so it turns out that the only source for the mystery of the death ship Orong Maidon is a man who, by his own words, lied profoundly about it. Lacking access to the internet, Shirley made some errors that we can spot, but that would have been hard to fact-check in his day. First, he didn't realize that the Silver Star was no longer either the Silver Star or in the Pacific when he named it in his 1948 version. Second, the island where he landed his sole survivor to be cared for by the missionary, Teongi Atoll, is tiny, uninhabited, and has no fresh water. This part of Shirley's story is absolutely false. There were never any missionaries on Teongi, as there was nobody there for them to minister and no way to sustain life. Finally, Shirley couldn't have known that if he made up the name of a ship, like Orong Maidon, that it would be trivial for us to falsify its existence today. Much of the writings about the Orong Maidon expend a great deal of speculation on what could have killed the crew in such an unusual manner, all flat on their backs at their posts, eyes and mouths wide open. Was it a poison gas, maybe something left over from World War II? And they speculate on what could have been in the ship's cargo holds that caught fire spontaneously and caused it to explode and sink. You will find no such speculation in this episode, because we've found sufficient reason to doubt that the event ever took place. Without a confirmed incident to explain, the search for explanations is superfluous. Remember Hyman's categorical imperative, do not try to explain something until you are sure there is something to be explained. So, what of our infamous Mr. Shirley? One researcher found his record on Ancestry.com. He was born in 1901 and did make his home in Trieste. From the large number of ship departure and arrival records attached to him, it appears that he had worked as a sailor, perhaps as a merchant mariner. Maybe on some trip to the South Seas, he conceived his yarn of the Orong Maidon, perhaps even naming his ghost ship after the Indonesian port where he'd been ashore so many times. Those are the parts of the story we're not likely to ever find out, as they were never recorded. But we tip our sailor caps to Silvio Shirley, the author of one more piece of the fabric of 20th century seafaring legends. But there's nothing legendary about Skeptoid's premium supporters, Ken Mora, Kesslerak, Corey from Detroit, and Trev Boyd. Becoming a premium member is the best way to enjoy Skeptoid. Not only do you get a special podcast feed with more than 10 times as many episodes, all ad-free, you can also get the nifty Skeptoid USB 3.0 flash drive, preloaded with all the podcasts and movies we've ever produced. It's easy to get. Just come to Skeptoid.com and click Go Premium. And remember, every Skeptoid episode has a transcript page at Skeptoid.com with complete bibliographic references and further reading suggestions if you want to know more. And they also print out into nicely formatted PDF documents that you can share. 
Just come to Skeptoid.com and use the search tool to look up any urban legend or crazy belief you can imagine. You're listening to Skeptoid, a listener-supported program. I'm Brian Dunning from Skeptoid.com. Hi, this is Mark from Santa Fe, New Mexico. You know, when you consider that every single day we're exposed to such an avalanche of deliberate disinformation, conspiracy theories, false claims, hidden agendas, and outright lies, that it's no wonder that we can feel overwhelmed by it all. How can anyone know what to believe anymore? Well, by employing skepticism, critical thinking, and deliberate search for truth through science. That's how. Let Brian Dunning and Skeptoid be your guide in separating real facts from fiction. After enjoying episodes for a good many years, I finally decided to give back and become a premium member. Thank you, Brian, for performing a very valuable public service. Oh, yes. The episodes are also very well produced and very entertaining. There are so many great resources and tremendous library of past episodes you will have access to. I would highly recommend you consider becoming a premium member today. <laughs> 